Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, thanks for the time. Good seeing you. Good to see you once again. Oh, how excited are you for this May to have a full house? Well, I think that uh, we're going to be able to show the fans, not only here at the Speedway, around the world, how fantastic uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is. We're going to open up the world a second time, but hopefully to a filled audience uh, who are tracking probably somewhere between 250 and 280,000 people will attend the event when you add up all the different uh, groups that will attend. But more important is it's just to show the teams and the fans and, and the sponsors what this iconic place really is all about and what we've invested in. What are you most excited for them to see that you've worked on over the past couple of years and changed? Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, we've invested probably another 30 million a lot of which you can't see because it's infrastructure related, which uh, was needed. But I think to see what we've done uh, on Georgetown Road where people come in gate nine and 100,000 people come down in an enclosed area that's been opened up. I think when you look at uh, from turn four down to turn one, you know, in Pagoda Grandstands, we've got the LED boards, the big LED board on the back of the uh, Pagoda. Then, of course, my favorite spot is the restrooms and the uh, obviously uh, when you think about uh, the concession stands, which we've gone over. But just the golf course has been redone. Uh, so many things. I think we've put four miles of fencing in around the, the facility. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of gallons of paint we've used to bring the facility back to where we want to have it. But it's little things that we've tried to do to make it fan friendly. The most important thing we can do here is to have a fan experience. That you come back, your parents come back, the kids come back. I want to go to the Indy 500. It's the most iconic sporting event and biggest racing event in the world on one day. And we need people to really understand that and how passionate we are to make that happen. With COVID over the past two years, putting on races, how difficult really was that to put races on with all the pandemic things going on? Well, the biggest thing was, number one, is to understand COVID. Is it mass, no mass, six feet apart, no people? I mean, we never had a clear story 
really, when you think about uh, in, in 20, we had the story, no race. You talk about a down day, but uh, again, it was uh, a day we hadn't counted. I don't remember, we did our pro forma here with 250,000 people on the first May. Well, it never happened, but when you went into 21, we were still dealing with, with the city, uh, certainly with the state and people to say, what could we really have? And, and to, to, to our understanding, and obviously the success we had, we opened up America with practically 134,000 seats sold, plus uh, teams, and we really had a great race. And to me, you know, that was important, but the big thing is the thanks that I give to all the people, unsung heroes that you don't see, or not just the drivers and the teams and the sponsors, but all the people that work so hard here to keep this place going from January when we bought it in 19 until we had that race yeah. in 21, and to think about that. But it's the team, it's the people here that I take my hat off to, and I think that's my, the greatest feeling I have is that no one left the team and they understood what it was all about because they work here for one reason, they love Indianapolis, I love Indianapolis, and that's, I think, was that was the core foundation that made the difference during that time. Did you ever second guess yourself during the pandemic, why did I make this investment and buy this place? Did you ever have that thought? Well, I guess you'd have to say, why did I make the decision so fast back in, I think it was October, of 19 when Tony George came up to me and said, I want to see you in Indianapolis or get together with you to talk about the future. You know, with Tony, I've known Tony a long time. You never know what he really wanted to talk about, but I met him down at the Columbia Club before the New Gardens little dinner we had, and he laid out a plan where the family had decided that they wanted to divest of certain assets. And he says, was I interested? Well, I had to be real careful I didn't jump across the table because I only thought about it for probably 25 years. But uh, I said, I'd be very interested. And the next day we signed an NDA. Mark Miles and his team came to see us in Detroit that following week. And we started a journey that took about four or five weeks and we went forward. So it wasn't a case of, did I have to do a big pro forma on what it was all about? It was the fact that our family could carry on Tony Holman's and the Holman family's great work that they had done to maintain this track over so many decades. And for me to do that, it's, it's in my blood. It's helped us build our brand name, Indianapolis. So it was a quick decision and certainly not one that I ever felt that I was sure I did. In fact, I'd do it again if I knew, even knew the circumstances. You would? Yep. Take me back to the first time you came to the track. You were how old? 14. And you still remember where you sat? <laughs> yeah, I sat down towards the fourth third with my dad, but it was interesting. We came, he, he got some tickets from uh, a vendor, a friend of his, and we were invited to a uh, luncheon at someone's home, you know, and they had a, a show car there. Well, we got there late, we went in the backyard, here was this car, I remember sitting at it, putting a helmet on it, I wish I had that picture to show you. And that started, I think, my journey, and then we went to the race, and the speed of the cars, uh, you know, the ambiance, the excitement, and then my interest in cars alone and, and Indy and, and the names and the people used to race at Langhorn and, and Trenton. And those were areas close to where I lived so I could go see those races. It was, it was amazing. So uh, overall, uh, I guess I got bit by the bug back in uh, 1951, thanks to Lee Wallard. Isn't that wild? And here we are, 50 years later, you had your first win. Can you fathom that? It's been 50 years since Mark Donahue Got that first win for you and really set off of this string of great events for you here? Well, I stopped counting, you know, <laughs> really. 
50 years. But uh, no, when you think about it, uh, you know, 50 years later, uh, I hope my dad is listening to this conversation today because I can thank him for giving me the drive and the interest uh, uh, and really the thought to be able to invest here and, and make, make a decision. But uh, uh, this is a great place. Does your family understand your passion for this place? You've often said you don't golf. This is your hobby. This is your life, right? Well, I call this an opportunity. My wife said, you're coming home with another opportunity. This is a little bigger one than normal, obviously. But, uh, no, it's, it's a terrific place, and they understand it. Uh, my son, Roger Jr., raced a little bit, but Greg uh, was the head of Penske Speedways where we had Michigan. We, you know, we built California, so it's been in, been in the family, and two of my grandsons have worked out here a couple summers uh, at the lowest level he could possibly work in. Uh, they could work in out here at the track, but no, it's a, it's a family tradition. And there's no question from my perspective that we as a family want to be known as someone that added and made this place better. Not that there was anything wrong with it at all. The fact that we could take the great foundation, the iconic race, the 150 or 60,000 people that wanted to come here last year, even during the pandemic, just shows you what this means to so many people around the world. So what you're telling me, your family's in this for the long haul. I would hope so. Yeah. You're 85. You're not slowing down. Why, why not slow down? If I slow down, I stop. You know, that's remember, you got to keep you got to keep moving. No, I look, uh, I think these types of project, my business and seeing people perform, whether it's a race guy driving my race car or running a business, one of our businesses. I think the key thing here is that to see people succeed. And I want to be the person that can help put people in a seat or in a situation where they're motivated, they like the environment they're working in, and they want to win. And that's, that's my goal every day. The monetary piece of it might be your report card, but on the other hand, it's the satisfaction around it with so many people. Uh, successor to you, is there someone in your family that you know they will carry on your legacy? How will that play out? Well, you know, I've got a business legacy. You've got lots of legacies when you talk about it. Yeah. You know, I have boards of directors of all of our company. We've gone through succession planning, you know, from top to bottom in those companies, which people know about. I think from a Speedway perspective, you know, we've got a family that's all interested. And I think it would be up to them to decide, you know, who would be the one that would be maybe become chairman. I think that, you know, today we have a great operation with Mark Miles. I would hope they'd have someone like Mark or Mark for many years it wants to be the CEO running the business and our roles would be as chairman and major shareholders in it to help guide it, help fund it as it went forward. Uh, routines, are you a routine oriented guy? I mean, do you like every morning you're up early? You seem like you're a guy who you get after early and, and you work into the evening, don't you? Well, I try to uh, I try to get up at 6 to 6.30 every day. Some days I work out, but I get in my office early. Like we come down here you know, we're right to be in, in the office here by 8.30, so we're getting up early, flying down here, getting here, which, uh, and we stay typically till 6 or 7 o'clock at night, maybe longer, stay overnight, because we did that, you know, during 21 and during 20. I mean, we were here, got off the plane. I, I don't think we ever turned the lights off until after 8 or 9 o'clock, but it's, uh, I think it's more passion, and, and it's, it's probably detail, you know, the details are what kill you in a, in a business or in any business. And I think for me, having these routines and then with our businesses, you know, I learned a lot uh, during the COVID period because we used uh, 
you know, obviously Zoom quite a bit. Yeah. And then because we needed to communicate almost every day because things were happening so fast, we started to set up more daily or weekly sessions from a standpoint of business. And it really helped us because instead of waiting till the end of the month to get information, we were getting it every four or five or six days, which we've gone on to continue that. But I've always had business plans. I always review. In our auto business, uh, we have some 300 locations around the world. I do an individual business plan on every one of those every year, and that's something I've done it for the last, I don't know how many decades. And to me, that gets you really into the detail. And I tr I'm a guy that likes to go out, not sit in my office. That's what hurt me during the COVID time, was sitting in my office where I couldn't go out and kick the tires. So it's like I like to be, the only problem with this job today is the speed where I can't stand on the stand and call a race car. <laughs> so I hope those guys don't make any mistakes. Uh, winning. You're all about winning. You, you, you've won in everything that you do. What would you say to a young person who's starting out and they're trying to think about their career? How would you advise somebody to chase after their dreams? Well, I think you got to know what your passion is. What do you really want to be? Do you want to be an individual? Do you want to be with a group? Do you want to work for a big company? But the key thing is the type of people you surround yourself with. And my dad told me a long time, if you're working for a big company and all you're doing is worrying about your own path through that company, how am I going to get to the front? That's not the way to do it. What you got to do is be sure everything, decisions you make every day is the best for the organization. And that's what I would say. And I think that people need to understand that. Yeah. But so many people are trying to climb this ladder. But people, you see the people that put out. You don't even have to know their name, but you know who that person is doing a good job. I saw people like that today as we did a business review here at the Speedway. People I really didn't know much about, but I watched them today and said, that's the heartbeat of this organization or people like that. Uh, Indianapolis 500, how important is it to Roger Penske that we have 33 cars on the field on race day? It's been a tradition, 33. We've had less, I think, in the past. We've had bumping. But you know something today, when I look at it, uh, the teams are so much stronger. You don't have somebody dra dragging in on a trailer with a car he's going to put together in the garage here like the early days and try to qualify. So it's tighter. The budgets are a little bit higher. On the other hand, I think that we're, you know, we had a few extra last year. I think this year, the way it looks, it looks like we'll be 33. On the other hand, we got some exciting news probably around other areas of the qualifying weekend, which I think we'll announce not too long from now. So it's important, but it's not the major thing to have the race. The race is what makes the difference. The bumping is great, but the qualifying, if we can get qualifying even tougher and more exciting, that's what we got to do this year. That's what I'm focusing on. Uh, speed records. How important is it to chase records for those record numbers? Well, I don't just want to turn up the boost. On the other hand, we've got to think about safety first. And second, I think to think that someone can go around this racetrack flat out for 10 miles over 230 miles an hour. I don't care who it is, when it is, that's a real record. There's no other cars in the world that can do it other than the Indy cars we have here today. So records are important. Uh, records like Castroneves, five wins. Foyt, four wins. Unzer, all of these people who have set records here, those are the people that make a big difference to me. And to see what they've laid the groundwork for young people coming in like awards and, mm -hmm. and hurt and people like that that are having such a great start. How do we attract younger fans to our sport? What's top of mind for you? Well, you know, digitally, I think we're 
attracting more people today. I think we're reaching out through you know, our digital initiatives. Uh, we just announced Autograph and this uh, process where you can go back and we can give you, you know, through a digitization, give you pictures or something. Those are things we're starting to do. I think the ability for us to keep our races short I think because attention span, the streaming that we have today, I think what Peacock's doing for us, you know, when you look at you know, the individual races has been, has been important. And to me, to get people out, I mean, we need to get groups out here. We need to get more two-seater rides. People like that, let's let them feel about the tracks. It's not just about a big ad, people going fast and crashing. It's more about high-tech. This is a high-tech, high-speed, high-integrity sport. And to me, that's a big difference. And young people understand that. Uh, legacy of Roger Penske, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, I, I don't have a list of things I'm trying to check the box at all. I mean, I, I hope that people understand I was a competitor, a good competitor. Um, I, my legacy would be I have a great family. And my family members are successful and healthy would be probably more important than any personal legacy. Uh, going forward. But on, on the other hand, uh, uh, I don't really have a, I want to leave a big stamp somewhere. My big stamp should be today when I'm working with people to try to make them better. That, that to me is a legacy that, that I help people be better. I help them in their lives, which helped their families and the things they had to live, you know, in their, their environment for many years. And to me, that's my, would be my story. Appreciate the time. Okay. <laughs>